Hello, this is the Daily Tech and today I'm sharing some more tech news with you that I hope you find entertaining, informative and do enjoy as well, that's very important. So firstly we're looking at, that's a bit bland intro, anyway, so of course uh, Galaxy Unpacked for every fan as they say uh, on the thing and we're just looking at what they announced which was just one thing which was the S20 Fan Edition which we've been hearing about for a while now or Galaxy S20 Lite. I mean, it's not called that, like, it's a fan edition everywhere, I believe. But it's, it's pretty much a light version. Kind of, anyway. It's a bit weird. So, obviously, um, it's a very... It's like the light version of the S20, but still holds a lot of the S20 features. You'll find out when I talk about it, but it's just quite an interesting phone. So, uh, this is by TechRadar. So, of course, we've been hearing the rumours for a while now. And of course now it's official with holding their dedicated launch event for the new phone. Uh, which their thing was like for every fan or something like that. So of course uh, the they call it FE, like it's an S20 FE. Uh, it seem, it's effectively a light version of the S20. Uh, similar design specs but uh, corners are cut obviously to cut down on the price. So, of course, uh, it's an exciting prospect for people on a budget who want to buy maybe a newer one. Uh, it's a little more affordable than the other ones, but it still doesn't mean uh, that it's cheap and it's still quite expensive. So, of course, uh, price and availability. So, of course, it comes in a 4G and 5G variant, as we've seen with the other ones. Uh, so, the 4G version of the final edition costs 599 uh, pounds in the UK and obviously uh, 999 Australian dollars in Australia and it's 100 pounds more so 699 pounds and uh, 1149 Australian dollars uh, for the 5G model uh, and the 5G model is the only one available in the US uh, priced at 699 dollars so of course I was going to I think there's different storage models as well which would be a different price of course, for comparison, the S20 5G costs 999 US dollars, uh, 899 uh, British pounds, and of course 1,499 Australian dollars. So it's a pretty good deal. So of course, uh, design and display. So the most popular feature of this edition is the choice of colours it comes with. Uh, you can choose between six vibrant colours uh, to pick up the phone in. Uh, there isn't a black or dark grey option, uh, so the colours are navy blue, bright red, white, pale orange, pale pink, mint green. So there is something for about everyone, it's a bit of a shame there isn't a dark one, some people like a lower profile phone. Uh, but obviously, I guess they're reserving that for the higher up models. So of course, the first thing that they noticed was the fact that it was only 190 grams, which is quite light. Uh, so this is likely due to the build material. Of course, while the phone has a metal frame, uh, it's Samsung's glastic or glass plastic uh, that we saw on the Note 20. Uh, so it makes it look like it's built of premium glass, but it feels more like plastic, and they found it a little cheap. Obviously, that's one of the corners they cut. Uh, there is a textured effect on the back that's designed to repel fingerprints, and it seems pretty effective during their testing. Of course, they've had this phone for a while, um, and of course, it remained clean and smooth. As well as the glassic body, uh, of course, uh, the display doesn't curve at the edges, which obviously does save a bit of cost. Uh, so the phone 
the body has a fairly rounded frame, so the foam feels pretty comfortable, uh, but not as much as if it had the soft taper. So overall, this is the average chocolate bar smartphone, is what they're saying here. Uh, so there's a rectangular camera array on the rear at the top left, and it looks like uh, the one on the S20. Uh, power button and volume rocker on the right edge. Uh, if you see in the image, the kind of uh, metal frame does kind of go into that elastic kind of thing. Uh, that's quite interesting. Looks quite nice. And of course, um, yeah, there's a USB-C port on the bottom of the phone. Uh, there is no headphone jack, which is obviously isn't great. Obviously, people want to be able to plug in headphones through the 3.5mm uh, thing. Of course, the handset is IP68 protected, uh, which means it's dustproof and waterproof up to 1.5 meters for 30 minutes, which is quite good. Because I think they still recommend you don't take it in water, but at least if you do drop it, uh, more than likely it'll be fine. So, of course, on the front, the selfie uh, camera lens is housed in an impressively small uh, punch hole uh, cutout in the top center of the display. Uh, it is quite small, so you don't imagine it to intrude too much, of course it's much smaller than the original one in the S10, but there is a noticeable uh, bezel around the screen, it's not too thick, but of course you'll notice it if you put the S20 uh, next to another S20, like the higher up model of it. But of course if you're on an older phone you won't mind at all, in fact it will probably be better. Uh, it has a 6.5 inch Full HD Plus screen, uh, so it sits between the screens on the S20 and S20 Plus in terms of size. Uh, but it doesn't match a higher WQHD Plus resolution. Uh, it uses Samsung Super AMOLED uh, X2 screen tech, uh, which is mostly marketing stuff, but it essentially means the colours are punchy and bold, so it's a nice looking display that you'll feel comfortable using. Uh, it also, something that I found interesting was it had a 120Hz display, which of course means it refreshes at 120 uh, times per second. Obviously, uh, this means it feels really smooth. Other S20 phones have this, but the tech is rarely seen in non-premium phones, and at this price it's pretty decent. So, the, what I found interesting about this though is the fact that it has 120Hz, because the original, the lower end Note, which is more expensive than this I believe, as far as I remember, I'm pretty certain it is, only has 60Hz refresh, which is really uh, weird the way they've done that. Uh, obviously, uh, this is going to be... Some people want the Note for the Note, obviously, but still, it's a bit weird how they're not putting that 120Hz on the Note, whereas they're putting a 120Hz on a lower-end phone. So, of course, uh, it's full HD+, plus, so it's quite alright. You'll be able to watch stuff comfortably, it'll look nice. It's not going to look bad, but obviously it's not the best technology there is. So, for the camera, it has three rear cameras, uh, a 12-megapixel uh, main, a 12 megapixel ultra wide, and an 8 megapixel telephoto, which is kind of what we see on these three lens phones, obviously. So, of course, while on paper those specs might seem inferior, uh, which obviously I think they've probably cut down on as well, uh, due to the lack of a high res sensor on the telephoto snapper, uh, they didn't find the uh, camera to be demonstrably worse. Of course, it has a larger sensor than the S10, so it will pres they presume it will perform well in low light settings. Uh, obviously, uh, it looks quite nice, and it's a very nice camera. Uh, so the selfie camera on this phone is a 32 megapixel, which obviously is very high res for a selfie camera, especially when the back one, what was the back one again? 
like um yeah the background was up to 12 megapixels so the fact that it's 32 megapixel one is quite interesting but of course it has a wider angle lens than most selfie cameras uh but of course 32 megapixels uh, is quite a lot so you'll be able to take nice selfies obviously Right now to the part that I think most people care about, obviously the specs and performance. Uh, so the 4G version of the S20 has the Xwiner's uh, 990 chip, so while the 5G version gets the Snapdragon 865. Uh, typically Samsung phones have this processor, like their one, the Xnos, uh, Xwiner's, I can't say that, um, and the Snapdragon equivalent uh, for the 5G version. So of course, uh, it's got a few opportunities for European buyers to get something from a Qualcomm processor. I also think the processor in the um, 5G version is more powerful. I haven't really looked at this properly, but I believe they are more powerful. But I don't think it's too much of a difference. Uh, both chip chipsets are top-end, though. So obviously they do return superb uh, benchmark results. Uh, they have got 6GB of RAM. This one has 6GB of RAM and 128GB of storage. Uh, and I think there's a 256GB version as well, uh, which is expandable up to 1TB uh, through an SD card or microSD. This phone currently runs Android 10, but of course uh, Android 11 is coming out, but obviously um, it probably will be getting that soon, obviously when they roll it out fully. Also has a 4500mAh battery, which is a fairly typical size uh, for a phone and it should last uh, a decently well time, a decently good time. Also something that's nice is 25 watt wired charging, it's not the fastest speed out there uh, but it's also still quite nice. Also 15 watt wireless charging that's really good as well. Um, obviously it will charge in a decent amount of time. So obviously it's not the most affordable phone on the market but it's still um, an alright phone and I think most people would enjoy this and they would find it a nice experience. Especially if you're coming from like maybe an S7, S8, or even like an even lower phone you've been saving up for one of these phones. This could be really good for you. And yeah, that's really good. iPhone 12 uh, names leaked and it suggests that Apple has an unusual model up its sleeve. So according uh, to a respected Apple leaker, uh, the new iPhones will be called uh, some different names to what we were expecting. Uh, so there is going to be an iPhone 12 mini, iPhone 12, iPhone 12 Pro, and iPhone 12 uh, Max. Wait, is that five phones then? Because I thought it was going to be a 12 Pro Max. Has I read that wrong? No, iPhone 12 Max. That's interesting. Okay, we'll continue reading. So, of course, uh, it's one of the most integrally anticipated uh, smartphones of the year. Of course, iPhones are quite popular, obviously. Oh no, so on this thing they wrote it wrong on there, so 12 mini, 12, then 12 pro, and then 12 pro max. So I assume the 12 will kind of be the max version then, but it's smaller. It's a bit weird how they're doing this, but it makes sense. Of course, many people uh, hope that to get their new glimpse of the Time Flies event, but obviously they were disappointed. Of course, those, they didn't talk about it. Of course, we're expecting October uh, because of the delays that they've had. So, of course... Uh, according to the respected leaker, um, the new iPhones will be called the iPhone 12 mini, iPhone 12, iPhone 12 Pro, and iPhone 12 Pro Max. Uh, which makes sense. Obviously, um, the first time we heard the iPhone 12 mini uh, suggested as one of the names, uh, 
so it doesn't really fit in the rumours, but it could be possible and it would kind of make sense. It could be their new way of advertising the lighter model. And I think Mini does sound better anyway, because you've got an iPhone 12, you've got the iPhone 12 Mini. It seems to be like it's just a smaller version of a good phone, whereas you've got a lower version. It just, I think it makes more sense. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, the other three phones are expected to be 6.1 inches uh, for the iPhone 12. Uh, the iPhone 12 Pro being 6.1 inches as well, and a 6.7 inch iPhone 12 Pro Max. So I think it's just different naming. Before we thought it would just be called the iPhone 12, but now we're facing uh, the iPhone 12 Mini, which would make sense. So obviously, uh, that's quite interesting. Not really much to say there, but of course, um, it's quite interesting. Huawei says Qualcomm applied for a license to sell its chips, and the Chinese giant will use them if allowed. So of course, you didn't know Huawei, um, obviously, is being banned from a lot of this stuff like this. Uh, they can't use uh, Android, well they can't use apps on Android and I think they'll be banned off Android soon I believe. Uh, things like that, they can't use uh, Microsoft stuff I don't believe either. So of course they've had an issue, they had to make that act better and of course they're making their own operating system as well. But of course uh, Huawei have said that the Qualcomm uh, chipset maker, obviously they make chips for a lot of phones, uh, have applied for a license to sell its chips and the Chinese technology uh, giant will of course use them if they can because obviously um, they can't that's their best source of chips where they get the best I guess it works the best for them and of course it's going to be a hit if they can't so of course um, Huawei was put on the US blacklist uh, they restricted American businesses from selling products to the Chinese phone maker uh, US companies including Qualcomm were required to get a license from the government of course to export goods to companies on the list uh, so, of course, now they've applied for this. Whether or not they'll get it, we're not sure. I assume they probably will. So, of course, this May, uh, Washington amended a rule to require foreign manufacturers using US chip-making equipment uh, to get a license for able to sell to Huawei. Uh, they tightened this rule in August as well. Uh, of course, this could mean a near-total cut-off from Huawei, uh, for Huawei. Uh, obviously, uh, Huawei designs its own smartphone chips called the Cur current uh, via its high silicon uh, subsidiary but of course uh, current is manufactured by a Taiwanese contract uh, chip maker Taiwan semiconductor uh, manufacturing company and of course from September the 15th uh, TSMC were no longer able to um, supply chips to Huawei uh, they've been saying about how the US has been continuously attacking them and of course they got their last batch of chips in the middle of September and they're still waiting for more details to see if they can get more. So of course uh, apparently they have a sufficient stock of chips to, for its business to uh, run for a while but obviously they will run out and of course they can't get more. Uh, so during the company's second quarter earnings results last year, uh, CEO Steve uh, Mollenkopf, I think that's how you say that, uh, blamed the export positions on Huawei for weakness in its numbers at the time. Of course, it obviously is something people don't want to go to a thing where it's having issues with the apps that could be on them, especially when you don't get Play Store and maybe even Android. It scares some people and they might not want to. Of course, um, hopefully they will get this license. It will benefit them quite a bit. Obviously, then they'll be able to use that in, for their chips. Obviously, uh, they're probably better, I assume. Or, of course, that it's easier for them. So that's nice that uh, they could happen. Uh, so hopefully they'll have one good thing in what they're having a big issue with right now. 
So Microsoft Giant, Microsoft Giant's 85-inch Surface Hub 2S will arrive in January 2021 for a um, decently sized price. Uh, definitely not consumer, if I'm gonna be honest. Um, so of course, Microsoft is starting to take pre-orders for its 85-inch Surface Hub 2S uh, today. Uh, so the large screen device uh, was uh, unveiled in uh, April 2019 and will go on sale in January 2021, uh, which of course is two years later, pretty much. And the pricing for this model is starting, which is a bit of a scary thing, uh, at 21,999.99, which is so $21,999.99. I assume that is, I think that's how it works. Of course, I use um, the British pound stuff like that, so obviously. Um, a collaboration display might not seem like the type of device that uh, businesses are rushing to buy in 2020. Of course, it's kept a lot of people working at home because of the pandemic that's been around. Uh, and claims the Surface Hub 2S has helped bridge remote teams and central response locations for hospitals, healthcare providers, and even in education. Of course, it's a very expensive device. Uh, so there's a quote here from... Robin uh, Salia, uh, Microsoft's Corporate Vice President of Devices. We've seen schools and educational institutes accelerating their digital transformation driven by the need to offer equi equitable uh, remote or hybrid learning for students. To increase engagement, many institutions are replacing older technology, including projectors and whiteboards, with digital collaboration solutions like Surface Hub. So, of course, Microsoft believes this device could act in a way to ease the transition back into the office or as part of a hybrid environment. Uh, another quote here uh, from him again. As many parts of the world uh, move back to the office or plan for a new hybrid satellite work environment, Surface Hub will there to be ease the transition, uh, even with the new considerations in space planning, uh, like the need for social distancing. Uh, the benefit to the larger screen that the Hub provides is that it can help implement social distancing for people to stay six feet apart while working. So of course, how many people will actually agree that it's priority uh, to get this for returning is quite interesting. I guess it depends on the scale as well. Of course, some lower-end businesses obviously couldn't get this, they wouldn't be able to afford it, whereas the higher-up ones could, definitely. Uh, so Microsoft had planned to use a special process cartridge to upgrade the smaller 50-inch devices and tunnels. So of course, uh, the software update is now arriving in October, the Windows 10 Team 2020. It includes support for the new Microsoft Edge browser, dual pen inking, passwordless signing using FID02 security keys, and the ability to quick transition back uh, a Microsoft Teams call on a larger display. So it's just pretty much a massive computer to be fair. Or is it just a display? It's a bit hard. I assume it is like, a full-on computer built in one. So it, I assume, yeah, that's what it is. Absolutely massive. How many people will actually use this is quite interesting. Um, obviously, um, some people obviously will have no need or never couldn't even dream of getting this. Obviously, it's very expensive, um, but quite interesting. What's the thing that I noticed it has a camera as well? That's just something nice, <laughs> like just sticking out of the top. Anyway, yeah, it's a very uh, interesting device. They'll get sales definitely, but not from consumers as much, more from businesses. Uh, higher up kind of areas. Okay, right, we're gonna have to go past that one. What is it anyway? Yeah, this doesn't even really matter anyway. Just close it on down. So obviously, um, 
gaming has become big recently. Well, it was already big, but I mean, it's become massive after, of course, uh, the pandemic, which kept people at home, so they kind of invested in this. Obviously, we saw a lot of sellout in these parts. Uh, so, I'm just talking about some accessories, uh, which is the Steel Series Rival Free Wireless Gaming Mouse, which is now available. So, of course, Steel Series, uh, who make a lot of accessories like mouse, keyboards, uh, headphones, uh, have announced that its Rival Free Wireless Gaming Mouse has launched with immediate availability. So, according to the eSports Focus peripherals maker, the Rival Free stands out from the crowd thanks to its dual wireless connectivity and, which is really good, year long battery life. So, of course, as the name suggests, uh, the wireless gaming mouse is a wireless version of its entry-level Rival Free gaming mouse, which was also updated on the start of 2020, which was like six, no, which was like nine months ago. I keep on forgetting what month it is, to be fair. Uh, a new sensor has arrived to enable extended battery life on offer in the wireless version, though. Uh, SteelSeries says it's a new True Move Air optical gaming sensor. It's the most power-efficient sensor that is ever made. So it, it's an industry-leading 400 uh, hours plus of battery life for an uninterrupted use for a year or more, uh, 365 days in a year, uh, which is 8,760 uh, hours. Uh, our users really expected to use this rodent for a little more than an hour a day. Obviously, um, it's a bit low. I think they shouldn't advertise it as year long but technically it could especially if you're not using it for an hour a day but i think it's more realistic for um half a year most i think depending on what your use case is if you use it a lot more a lot less it really does depend uh so uh in an email to uh the people who write this uh they did say that uh, it's using a custom 18,000 cpi at 400 ips 40g uh, sensor developed in partnership with Pixar, uh, and additionally, like the TrueMove Pro found in the Tensai 10 gaming mouse, uh, the TrueMove Air offers seamless tilt tracking when lifting and repositioning the mouse during rapid and intense gameplay, which is really good. So, uh, on the wireless front, DealSeries has installed a new Quantum 2.0 wireless technology. Uh, this allows for 2.4 GHz wireless USB connections uh, for claimed 1 millisecond response time. Or, uh, what's really good, you're able to use Bluetooth 5.0 as well, so if you have Bluetooth, uh, you can use that instead. Uh, some people might prefer to use that. And it can uh, switch between the two, I believe, uh, for stability. Also, RGB, uh, always good. Helps with games, you're much better if you use RGB. Uh, it's available in the scroll wheel area and can be used to indicate various things, such as in-game notifications, and can warn of low battery levels, which is really nice. Uh, start with RGB, I assume the... Does that light actually? Maybe it doesn't. Uh, I was thinking if the Steel Series logo lights out. I know they do on some. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's a really nice mouse. Um, the total weight is 95 or 106 grams uh, using just two uh, AAA batteries. Uh, the size of it is 120.6 by 58.3 by 21.5 millimeters. So quite small, um, but comfortable, I assume, for most games uh, or for most people. Also, uh, each switch has uh, it utilizes mechanical switches rated for 60 million clicks on the main L and R buttons, and it supports six buttons uh, for weight adjustment. You can also choose whether to run the new mouse. Uh, oh, you can have two double uh, AAA batteries as well. 
Uh, so you can, of course, change the weight of it. I think that's actually really cool. Weight, of course, with one battery, of course, you'll have to switch it. Uh, and it won't last as long, but still, it's really cool. Uh, this is a really nice mouse. Well, I need to close down these notifications before I begin. Anyway, so Google Chromecast owners just received some bad news from Microsoft Xbox Teams. So, of course, if you're hoping to play some of the biggest games available, including Halo, Gears of War, Forza, Call of Duty, Fortnite, and more, uh, using an Android TV or new Chromecast, of course, you're going to be out a lot now. Uh, so, if you've got a smart TV powered by Google, Android TV, or Amazon Fire OS, uh, Microsoft confirmed that you're unable to stream games from its new Xbox uh, game service streaming service directly to the big screen and if latest whispers about the next generation google chromecast which google has tested will launch next week uh, teased even uh, are correct then this updated hdmi dongle won't stream xbox games either uh, since it's reported to be powered by android tv uh, chromebooks are also out of the question microsoft has stated so if you're open to play some top tier xbox games on your laptop uh, the next time you're faced with a long journey for work uh, forget it, so it's not going to be on that as well. And also, it won't be on iPhone, iPad, and other Apple gadgets, uh, of course, due to the restriction that Apple imposes. Uh, a bit disappointing, obviously. Uh, so, Xbox Game Streaming lets you play titles that uh, are currently loaded onto the Xbox, uh, nestled underneath your telly and on other gadgets, so when you're out and about. Uh, it's a really cool streaming service. It's a shame it won't be on this stuff. Some people will definitely be disappointed. I assume Stadia is still a thing though, but of course it won't have those kind of games, I don't believe. So of course that is a bit of a shame. Uh, so of course if you own that, it's a bit annoying I guess, but obviously uh, it's definitely to be expected. I mean it wasn't to be expected, but it could have happened anyway. So obviously um, it's a bit annoying. And for the last one today, Google kills off paid for Chrome extensions. So of course Chrome Web Store payments are being... Uh, like getting rid of uh why is it always a video on this it's like the same one anyway so google has announced it will no longer uh, be possible for developers uh to charge for their creations as uh, so a change comes as part of an overhaul for the chrome web store which sees payment system being uh deprecated uh so while the change seems like a dramatic change of heart by google it's actually an extension of a change that was introduced earlier in the year so back in March, in a bid to clamp down on fraudulent extensions, the company suspended the ability to submit new paid-for extensions. Uh, the new announcement means that the option will never return. Uh, neither initially, neither developers nor Chrome users will notice much of a difference. Of course, with paid extensions and in-app purchases uh, having already been disabled for six months, uh, of course, now it's permanent. Uh, this char this change, however, does not mean that uh, all that developers will not be able to make money through their extensions, although it will soon no longer be possible to charge for the extension itself. Uh, Google says that developers will be able to migrate to a different payment processor and licensing API if they would like to continue to monetize their work. Uh, Google says at some point in the future, although the company does not specify when, uh, and indicates it will be sometime after February 2021. Uh, so the Chrome Web Store licensing API will no longer be available to check the license status of ex extension users. Uh, I can't, if you're a developer, I can see this being a bit annoying. But I mean, if you're a Chrome user, this is absolutely amazing. Or maybe not because this could drive some people to stop updating or making uh, what they do, which 
definitely could be harmful for it, but I don't think this will happen. I guess if they have other ways to do it, but obviously it'll be a bit annoying for them. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please consider subscribing uh, if you're on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, uh, you're on something like Anchor, Spotify, uh, then click the follow button. Uh, this is so you can see all the latest tech news by me. Of course, this is a daily uh, podcast uh, about technology, so if you're really into this, then I'll make sure uh, to watch them all. And anyways, have a good day. And my hotkeys aren't working. I'm gonna have to um, speak there.